overcoming fear and anxiety. It's very important. Praise the Lord. Fear is a distressing emotion. A distressing emotion. Which actually comes as a result of threats. Maybe your life is threatened. You see a threatening situation. The emotion comes up. Which is the emotion of fear. It is, it is a survival mechanism. Fear ordinarily is not something... Uh, it's a survival mechanism. What I mean by that is when fear pops up in your life, actually what you want to do is to defend yourself or to run. Or whether you run or you're fighting, you are trying to do one thing, defending yourself. Is that okay? Come on, are we together? It's like you go to a company, a dog begins to bark. There are one thing or the other you're going to do. Either you're going to pick a stick or you want to run. Am I right? Whether you pick a stick or not, you're running or you pick a stick, you are trying to defend yourself. And it is propped up by the emotion of fear. You may not respond to all that if fear is not there. So it is, somebody, it is something that you experience almost on a daily basis. Unknown to you. Because sometimes when you begin to defend yourself, even in your home, or in your place of work, when you try to begin to defend yourself, you are suffering from the emotion of fear. Sometimes I'm not afraid. But your action tells me and can tell you if you understand what fear means that you are afraid. The fact that you are trying to defend yourself anytime. Are you listening to me? Good. Something is working in your mind. If I don't do this, this will happen. If I don't stop him, he will sack me. You know, there are many things you're thinking about. So all those defense mechanisms they are all the root cause of what? Fear. There is fear in your heart. That is why you are behaving the way you are behaving. Is anybody following this? Hallelujah. Okay. Uh, in a short form, fear is the ability to recognize danger and flee from it or confront it. So, sometimes they call it the fight or flight response. The fight or flight response respond. You are either fighting or you are running. Is that okay? Are you there with me? Yeah. So it's a response. It's an emotional response that comes out of a stimulus. Something happened and then you want to do something. Okay. Let's say for instance I remember one day I was driving with my wife and then vehicles were all the way. So we're going this way, going this way. People were just running. She said stop. I said what for? He says, see, everybody's running. Don't go, don't go. Said, but we are going home. Nobody is after us. We didn't steal. We are going home. Say, stop, stop. You know, I just keep driving gently. And then we'll come on the other side and find that people are peaceful there. And then she asks, what is happening? Said, I don't mind these people. Somebody just, everybody just running. Fear was prompted because of the sight of people. So the next response was, let us run. Are you getting what I'm talking about now? So this thing happens to you every day. But I'm saying there is something you can do to overcome fear. And that is what I'm about to share with you. Two things I'm going to share with you. Overcoming fear and overcoming anxiety. Hallelujah. Are you still there? Now, fear can be external or eternal. I want you to understand. External fear, just like I've described. Or you see a dog barking. That's an external thing. But you can have an eternal fear, which is very close to anxiety. 
and eternal fear is you come to the place where you begin to see if your life will still continue. You have this fear within you. How am I going to survive? How am I going to go on? How will this matter be resolved for me? Hallelujah. It is linked to a negative emotion. For instance, the fear of low esteem. You can't seem to be stable in the midst of people. Because sometimes you feel you are not recognized. Hallelujah. Why? Because you don't know your words. I told you here some time ago, in the book of John chapter 13, when the Bible said Jesus get his waist with the loins and begin to wash the apostles because he knew he was the son of God. What made him do that was because he knew he was the son of God. Now, it is implied this way. For instance, what he did was made for slaves. Only slaves wash visitors' feet. Are you getting that? But he could wash people's feet still knowing who he was. You know that what washing the feet will not take that from him. Do you understand that? Good. That means he's stable in his mind. He's not intimidated. There is no fear. There is no negative emotions. No low esteem. And he's not trying to build one instantly. He just knew exactly who he was. So one of the reasons why we act the way we act sometimes in the midst of people, severally, is because of negative emotions of fear, of low esteem. Are we still together? I want you to catch it because it's very important. All right. So, all of that. Then uh, let me just look at the word anxiety for you a little bit. Uh, anxiety, like I said, is, is actually a mood condition that can often occur without an identifiable triggering stimulus. You know what? You can be anxious without anything naturally happening. Like I talk about the dog issue that prompts the emotions of fear. But anxiety may not necessarily have something on the surface that can make you to run into the spirit of anxiety. Even sometimes, listen, you can have money. And you become anxious on how that the money should not be spent. Do you know it can happen? You have money. You try to see what can happen to make sure the money is not depleted. And even that alone drives you into running into some other business because you want to build up that money. Anxiety. You are just anxious to have more. You are just anxious to build up the money. You are just anxious. Anxiety. Nothing on the external. It is an eternal emotion. It's a mood, it's a condition, an eternal stimulus. External stimulus is not responsible. Nothing from the outside makes you to get into the spirit of anxiety. Some of you are anxious and getting old. How is it going to be tomorrow? Anxiety. Amen? Come on, am I talking here? All right, I know this is, it doesn't look like a message. <laughs> but I'm going to give you two illustrations from the scripture, if not three, of what the spirit of fear did. And why anxiety could not make you see what you are supposed to see so that you can overcome it. So, we have all manner of anxieties like we are building now. Several times, friends have come to me and said, Pastor Dave, what are you doing with that building? Why not you do it? Why not you do that? I said, I'm not in any form, in a hurry to get it done. It will be done when God wants it done. Now, you see, if I begin to think about the building, the building project, I can run into the state of anxiety. And that can drive me to raising funds when I'm not supposed to be raising funds. Are you getting that? Writing letters to people like my friend Duncan was speaking to me. People writing letters to him from Nigeria. They need money. They have this building. They have this project. They have a financial home. All this crazy stuff just because they want to raise money. Anxiety of survival. 
You want to survive, so you have come into the state of anxiety. It's not supposed to be so, as a child of God. You ought to be stability within your spirit, knowing that the Lord ordered the footsteps of the righteous. And the times and seasons are in his hands. Hallelujah. Okay, so that's about anxiety. Uh, I want to read a, a simple illustration. First of all, if you look at John 1, 1 John, the epistles of 1 John chapter 4, verse number 18, you are going to see the scripture that says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fears, because fear hard torment. What I want you to see from that scripture is fear hard torment. There is an affliction that comes to you when you live under fear. First John chapter 4, verse number 18. Hallelujah. First John chapter 4, verse number 18. There is a fear, there is a tormenting realm you experience, tormenting situation you experience when you live under fear. Hallelujah. Are you there? Okay. The word torment, like I said, means pain and affliction, it means punishment, it means torment. In other words, if you are walking with the spirit of fear, or the spirit of fear is in your life, you are always tormented. Hallelujah. Now, the torment you pass through is as, is as good as the torment you go pass through in the hand of the devil because all of them are tormenting people. Hallelujah. Come on, am I talking to someone here? Praise the Lord. All right. Uh, somebody was asking me a question over there when I share on those things and I simply told the person, I said, the devil will have nothing to look for in my life because I have nothing of his that he can recognize and want to have. Scripture rightly said it. John said, he, I mean, Jesus was saying that. The prince of the world commented that he shall find nothing in me. So, you see, anytime the devil is after you, it means you have something that he can get from you. But as far as my life is concerned, I don't have anything that he's looking for. So, we have no contact. The prince of the world commented, but he shall find nothing in me. He's just walking around. Okay, now, let's look at the issue of fear. I want to show you, and i give you simple keys from there. Second Kings chapter 6. Second Kings chapter 6. I would like you to live the life of boldness in the spirit of the Lord, knowing who you are, knowing what God has created you to do and created you for. And walking in obedience to that which the Lord himself has made available. Second Kings chapter 6 verse number 8. Hallelujah. Now this is the story of the king of Syria and Elisha. Then the king of Syria, I'm reading from verse 8. The king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servant saying, in such and such a place shall be my camp. In other words, I'm going to camp against the battlement of Israel in such a place. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel saying, beware that thou passest no such place for thither the Syrians are come down. Hallelujah. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him off and saved himself there not once, not twice. I also want to think that it is good sometimes you have somebody who watches over your back. Amen? Life is about someone that watches over your back, unknown to you. But once in a while, it can give you simple instructions. If you could walk by those simple instructions, you will also save yourself. There is a need once in a while that you find at least one man of God. I know all of us are men of God. I'm going to say on Timothy 3, 16, 17. But a man that is appointed of God, that's once in a while in your lifetime to relate to such people so that they can also watch over your back. Very important and very critical. 
Hallelujah. Their instructions can save you. The Bible said these that it repeated not once, not twice. Hmm? That may repeatedly the the now if you watch in the old testament, every king had a prophet that was working with him. Remember that? Every king had a prophet. And now if you talk today that you are in the marketplace which is the minister of the kings, it also means you are supposed to have somebody that watches over your back in relation to the business that you do. Very important. Hallelujah. Okay. Now verse number 10. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him off. Okay, I've read that before. And saved himself there, not once, not twice. Now verse 11. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was so troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? In other words, somebody is betraying us. And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet, that is in Israel. Tell her the king of Israel, the words that thou speakest in that bedchamber. I like that. Glory to God. God reveals secrets. Amen? Now, is it any time the king of Assyria planned, those things will be revealed to Elijah. Elijah will tell the king. Are you still there? Hallelujah. And I like this. And he said, go and spy where he is. In other words, go and spy where Elijah is staying. That I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore send he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and encompassed the city about. I can't imagine going to fetch one man and the whole chariot and horses and host. One man. That is how mighty the life of God in a man can be. Amen. One man attracting this company of people just to get him arrested. Same thing when they were to arrest Jesus. Company of people. All right. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a horse compiled the city, both horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Oh God. Hallelujah. Amen. And he answered, Fear not. Underline that. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Hallelujah. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots and of fire around about them. Hallelujah. What is the picture here that I want you to see? The first thing that gripped by this external stimulus, like I've said in the beginning, was what he saw in the natural. Is that okay? But he didn't understand what was going on in the spirit realm. He saw from the natural and the spirit of fear pop up in his life. And he shouted and he cried out. Now, number one, two things happens here. First of all, this servant of Elisha is not Gehazer. Gehazer has been removed already from office. This man just came in. He doesn't know the words of Elisha. One of the reasons we go into a spirit of fear is because we don't know the worth of the one we serve. We don't know the strength of Jesus. We don't know the power of Jesus. We don't know what he can do that we're just relating to him. Our lives are secured. This servant does not know much about the very power resident in Elisha and the position that Elisha is occupying. He didn't know. So fear gripped him. 
Because he saw on the axe world, on the natural. And that is the problem with so many of us. We are in church. We come to church. We call on the name Jesus. But we don't recognize how powerful he can be. We don't know who he is in the true sense of it. We don't understand what can happen for merely saying a word. And the best thing this man could do is, Oh Lord, open it high but for once. Let him see. At which we can see our fears will go. Glory to God. At which we can see our fears will disappear. Now I love this story. If you read it down, you're going to, you're going to find out something. By the time the eyes have seen and he has come to himself, fear has been taken away, he simply prayed that even the king and his people, their eyes should be blinded. And he led them, to, he didn't say they should die. Hallelujah. So what am I trying to say here? Until you recognize the one you serve, until you know the power resident in the one you serve, his protecting coverings cannot come unto you. And let me say this. Instead of fear, ask God to open your eyes to see. Because the time this man used in shouting and crying, he will have used that time to ask for God's direction. What is the natural response of a man when trouble comes? Fear. But what am I trying to make you see this morning? Instead of being afraid and shouting and crying and calling for anything, go to God. What solved this man's problem was just simply his eyes getting open and the fear disappeared. So the things you know will take away fear from your life. Do you understand what I'm talking about? It didn't take anything else to make him become a stable human being again. But simply to do what? Open his eyes. The greatest problem we have while we live in fear because we don't see, we don't understand, we don't know, and we don't even believe to a large degree that Jesus can save and save to the uttermost. And so fear runs our life every day. We are intimidated by all manner of things. Even our prayer is all encroached on fear. We pray because we don't want to be destroyed. But I want to tell you this morning, you don't even have to be destroyed. He that called is well able to preserve you. You know what he's saying in John 14? If you believe God that he can save people, believe also in me. Trust in me that I can protect. Trust in me that I can save. Trust in me that I can keep you going. The servant did not know this. So what is the solution to your fear? God opened my eyes. And I pray that for you this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ. The time you used to cry and shout. The time you used to bow down your head. The time you used to meditate and be you know, in a moody state of because something proper that has brought fear into your life, use that time to pray. God open my eyes to see. God make me know. God make me understand what is going on. What is this all around me? Is there any trouble around your life? What God do you want me to understand? Ask the Lord for insight. Hallelujah. That is why you see in Ephesians, Paul will pray the same prayer. Uh, that your eyes of understanding be what? Enlightened to know. Because what you know takes away fear from your life. Some of you have so many much intimidation. So much intimidation. You're thinking about death. You're thinking about this. thinking about husband. thinking about wife. thinking about children. So much fear all around. But I tell you something. If you can just have a glimpse of this on the spirit realm. To understand what God is out there to do. Your doubt, fears, and unbelief will all disappear in a moment. Hallelujah. Let me show you another example. This one is going to be based on anxiety now. That is fear, and I'll give you the one anxiety. Genesis chapter 21. 
Genesis 21. So much intimidation. Oh, I'm going to graduate now. There is no job. You don't have to be thinking those kind of things. Hallelujah. God have the best for you. Genesis 21, are you there? I'm reading from verse 14. This is about Hagar. You know Hagar? The concubine wife, what do they call it, concubine now? Slave wife, or the first, second wife of Abraham, whichever one, I don't know. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> okay, whichever one, it's fine. 14, are you there? And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto her, putting it in her hand. And the child and sent her away, and she departed and wandered the wilderness of Bathsheba. Now, you know what is going on now? Uh, Sarah came and said, I don't want to have Hagar in this house with Ishmael. Remember that? But it was the same Sarah that said, go to Hagar. Because Hagar was a slave woman given to her in Egypt. So, your slave girl can have a baby in your name through your husband. Nobody came to a point and said, I don't want this. Right? Hallelujah. And so, Abraham have to, at a stage, Abraham wasn't willing. But God said, no, let her go. And that is something you, all, you need to understand also men and women in marriage relationship. Sometimes you say some things to either your spouse and he or she will not want to at that moment take it. You allow God to come into this situation. Amen? Amen. Abraham would not allow it in the first place because it was actually his own blood. And he was right. But God had to come in and say, please, let her go. He has a reason. And God personally said, listen, I'm going to make him great. I'm going to bless him for your name's sake because he bears your name. That is the point. Because he connects to you. It's your seed. I'm going to bless him. and multiply him. That means everything that comes through Abraham is a blessed state. Hallelujah. And by the grace of God, we are Abraham's faith by faith. Is that okay? We are his seed by faith. Well, whatever comes from Abraham is in a blessed state. Nothing can cause it. Nothing can rubbish it. It doesn't make any difference. Your background always standing. The mother was a slave boy, but he was going to be a great man. Okay. Look at the next verse. Verse 15. And the water was spent in the bottle. And she cast the child under one of the shrubs. <laughs> and she went and sat down over against him. A good way off. And it was a bow showed. That's bow showed for the. She said, Let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lifted up her voice and wept. Now, the question I want to ask is What is happening to Hagar here? Is it fear or anxiety? Both are combined. He's anxious. What's going to be the state of this child? This child may literally die because there's no water. Hallelujah. Now, she didn't give herself to prayer. Are you listening to me? She's just anxious. What is going to happen now? Our water is finished. So, fear and anxiety came in. The two things were now working. And the natural thing for her to do was to keep the child away. I don't want to see her die. I mean, see the child die. While the child is dying slowly, let me be far away off. About life verse 17. And God heard the voice of the Lord, not the voice of the mother. Because the mother wasn't even praying. Is that okay? 
Come on, are we together? And the angel of God came to, to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, What led thee? In other words, what is your problem? What did he say? Fear not, for God has the voice of the Lord where he is. What is your problem? Now, does God not know? Before asking Hagar this kind of question, some of you, God is asking you the same question. God knew exactly that this lady had been driven away with the child. He knew the water and food they had is finished. But he's still asking, what is your trouble? No, some of you need to really answer God this question. Because of the manner you carry on, because of the problem you seem to have. As if God is not concerned, as if God doesn't know, as if God doesn't understand. Hallelujah. And he said, God have heard the voice of the light. Now look at verse 18. Arise, lift up the light, and behold in thy hand, for I will make him a great nation. Now what happened? Look at the next verse. And God did what? Verse 19. And God did what? Open an eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the Lord drink. And God was with the light. And he grew and dwelt in wisdom and became what? An acre. Now, watch that. God opened his eyes and what did she see? She saw a well. The well has always been there. But her problem made her not to see the well. That is the problem we are passing through. Because of fear, because of anxiety. Even sometimes when we pray, we don't allow God to talk back to us. And when God is talking to us, we don't even settle down to hear what he has to say to give us direction. God has the voice of the light, not the voice of the mother. But the well has always been there. The well has always existed. It was not dug immediately. It has always been there. When she was wandering, she wandered to the place of the well, but because her eyes were dim, she can't see. She couldn't see that her salvation was staying very close to her. That is the same thing with every one of us. What if you pray, God, open my eyes to see where you have prepared my well, prepare my business, prepare everything that pertains to me. Let me see it. Let me understand it. Hallelujah. Are you getting this? It's very crucial we understand what I'm talking about this morning because we've come to the place where it is so difficult. Now, if you go to Genesis 16, verse 7, you are going to see where the promise was made about Agar, I mean, uh, Ishmael. Genesis 16, Verse number 7 down to 9. If you have these kind of promises, why the anxiety? Why the fears? Look at this. This was when Sarah drove her out of the house and she was running away. Genesis 16. Reading from verse number 7. Are we all there? And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness. Can you see she always where water is? By the fountain in the way to shore. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, whence cometh thou? And without, without go. And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hand. Oh my God. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, and it shall not be numbered for multitude. Come on down. And the Lord of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, you are pregnant, and shall bear a son, and shall I call his name Ishmael, because the Lord had heard thy afflictions. Hallelujah. And he will be a wild man, his hand will be 
against every man, every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of his brethren. Hallelujah. Now, can you see this story? Before Ishmael was born, God was already started speaking. In fact, the name was given by God to the mother. But in the midst of these promises, she was still anxious. She was still living in fear. How many of us have had promises from God? Praise the living God. And yet, we don't seem to believe that God who said this thing is well able to bring them to pass. Nobody can you think about something there. She was running away. God asked her the question, where are you coming from now? Where are you going to? So I'm running away from my, my mistress Sarah. He said, go back to her. He didn't say go back. He said, go back and submit. Why did he have to tell this woman that? Because if she won't go back, the child will be contested. Hallelujah. Did you get what I said there? There will be a contention as to who owns the child. But if you go back to the house, the pregnancy will develop in the house. Everybody will know this child belongs to Abraham. Go back. And he says, submit yourself. Now, how many of you want to submit yourself to the person who is oppressing you? Come on, talk to me now. But that's an instruction from God. This woman is oppressing this lady. Innocent lady with a slave girl being oppressed by her mistress. And he said, Go back and submit yourself unto her. There is glory that comes from the place of submission. Hallelujah. When God ordained authority, there's a glory that comes to you by you submitting to that authority. Go back and submit yourself unto your mistress. And he said, you're already with a child. In case you don't know, I can tell you that you are pregnant. And that child is going to be a mighty child. And I'm going to prosper the child. I'll make him great among the nations. Hallelujah. Are you still there with me? Now this child finally came forth. And now this child was driven away. And the mother could not remember all those things that the Lord has spoken. So one of the things that makes you to overcome your fears and anxiety is that which the Lord has spoken unto you prior to the time of that thing which are passing through. Fine, she was driven to the wilderness. But God still said, I am with you. And I'm going to be with the child. And this is why he had to open her eyes. So sometimes you must come to the place where not only your eyes been opened, but remembering the thing that the Lord has spoken unto you. Praise the living God. And that is the place where it is a little bit difficult. Some of us don't even have anything to hold on to. That this is what God spoke to me or tell me or has spoken about my life. I have already told you here, part of the reason why I survive and I keep surviving to today is the thing that the Lord spoke to me about. When we initially enter into ministry, all the things the Lord told me about, they have not all been fulfilled. But gradually, they are being fulfilled. I can see them coming to pass. But they are taking over 10 years. They haven't completely come to pass. It has been a rough season as far as ministry and working in the ministry is concerned. But God is still faithful. I remember one of the things he said. I gave that story here some time ago. The first place where I was supposed to labor as a minister, I was driven away because I was sharing in my father's house. All of you, some of you old members, you know the story. The day I was driven away, the Lord appeared to a man all over there in Emedy, my closest friend. Some of you know him, Reverend Jephthah. He was walking along the bush path, but that uh, coming from the town, entering the main spread on the bush path, the thick bush, rubber plantation, all of a sudden the heavens opened. Bright light just shone right into the forest where he was, and a voice came, you go to warrior and spoke to my son David. A sword shall pierce through his soul. He shall be driven to a wilderness, but rain shall fall in his desert. Clear word. 
That's almost 13 years ago. God said that. And he didn't know what was happening here. And I picked myself. I was packing my load and going back to Isoko. And I said, let me see my friend. He was wondering how to see me. I just came in. He shouted. said, where are you coming from? I said, I'm from what is, what is happening? I said, nothing. He said, no. You can't tell me that. Look at my experience this afternoon. I've never experienced this kind of thing. Look at what the Lord said. And he said, I should come and tell you. Now you are here. Tell me what is going on. I said, well, I'm driven because I'm teaching John 14. He said, but look at what the Lord told me. I said, okay, then well, let's wait for the Lord to perfect his word. Now he's bringing it to pass every day. Every day, every day, beat by beat. His sword really pierced through my soul. Why? Because I carried the Christ. Because that's what was told Mary. Say, so shall pierce through your soul because of the seed you carry. Everyone that carried the right seed will receive a sword. It's not an easy thing to carry the seed of Christ. I must be honest with you. But I tell you, if I look at the goodness of the Lord today, if I see what God is doing, I know that what God told that man is coming to pass. Are you hearing what I'm talking about now? So sometimes when things are rough and tough, I just go back, God, you remember what you said. I believe in this. I know rain must fall in this desert. I know rain is going to fall. And when rain begins to fall, it's another story. Where there is no grass, grass will come in there. Where there is no water, wells will come in there. And we shall yet drink of the water of life. Hallelujah. This is what I'm trying to make you see. Some of the things God has spoken to you, we take fear, doubt, and unbelief from your life. It's difficult for you to move me out of this country. To relocate is difficult. Why? God, I've never said it. I've never heard it anywhere. But God said, I will travel. Yes, I know. But to relocate my base from Nigeria is a hard decision to make. No matter the offer. <laughs> Glory to God. It's difficult. Why? I'm relying on what you have spoken to me. So fear is gone. I know I will succeed in this country. I will live the best of life in this nation. I will raise people in this nation. I will raise other nations in this nation. Amen. Hallelujah. I know that. So I'm not shaking. I'm not moved. Fear is gone. Anxiety about what tomorrow is, is gone. I can think about it. Why? The Lord spoke. Glory to God. And even when our pastor is moving into ministry, the same thing I told you here. In the book of Proverbs chapter 9 verse number 11. He said, by me shall your days be increased. By me shall your years be multiplied. So I know I have years to live. <laughs> I can't forget it when he said that to me in Portacot. I can't forget that word. That takes away fear of dying early. I won't die prematurely. Because my years shall be multiplied. Are you getting what I'm talking about? That when he said your days have increased, your days have to do with the days of your ministry. He said that we're looking for the days, one of the days of the Son of Man, as it was in the days of Noah. So that had to do with the period of time of ministry. Your days shall be increased. That means my time of ministry shall be increased. I have understanding of what God told me. How many years back? Almost by 11 years ago. They are here to come to pass, and they are coming to pass on a daily basis. Step by step, here a little, there a little. We are walking into it. Fear is gone. Anxiety about what tomorrow is. It's all over. Glory to God. Amen. One more scripture and then we should go. Luke 24. I remember a question somebody asked me when I was booted out of that ministry. And he asked me, how are you going to survive now? You've left your job. <laughs> I said, if it's the Lord that is sending me out, he will make a way. And the funniest thing, that same night when I was to leave, the Lord spoke to me and he said, a wise man foreseeth trouble and hided himself. But a foolish man passes on and he destroyed. I said, then it is final. You can't even beg me to come back. 
<laughs> it is good to hear the Lord in taking your decision. Luke 24. Are you there with me? Let's look at verse 14. These are two disciples of Jesus on the road to Emmaus. You know the story. Is that all right? And they talked together all of these things which had happened. Jesus dying and all of that. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Oh my God. But their eyes, look at verse, 18, verse 16. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. Oh. Now, watch this. These were his own disciples. Is that okay? Okay, look at verse 30. And it came to pass as he sat at meat with them. He took bread and blessed it. And break and gave to them. And their eyes were opened. And they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. Hallelujah. Are you there with me? Their eyes were opened. For the first time. May your eyes be opened to know the Lord. Listen. They have been with him. They were even eating with him. Yet they never knew he was a Christ. Why? Because their eyes were sealed. We are all walking in sealed dimensions. But it is honestly good. And we should prayerfully seek the Lord. To have our eyes open to know him. They were talking about the man. The man was with them. Yet they didn't know him. Because their eyes were sealed. Their eyes were open. I mean, we're sealed up. They couldn't see it. Hallelujah. Are we still together? Alright. Now finally, let's get down to two scriptures and we're through. Hebrews 1. Don't forget this were his own disciples. They were talking about him. Saying all manner of things. How he was killed. How he rose again and things like that. And when he was asked, are you a stranger in this city? Haven't you heard about it? They were talking about the man. The man was standing before them. They never knew him. Hallelujah. Hebrews 1. Look at verse 14. Talking about angelic ministries. Are there no all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Are there not all ministering spirits? What he's saying is, is the host of heaven not commissioned to protect you, to preserve you wherever you go? It's a question. Why are you afraid? The commission of the angelic host of heaven is for your preservation because you are an heir of salvation. Of you, it's practically not possible. The gate will open at their own accord. I'm asking you to walk at ease with the Lord. That when he opens your eyes to begin to see, he will know that they that are for you, they are more than they that are against you. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? Say, they that be for us are more than they that are against us. The whole heaven is alight because of you. The whole realm of spirit is in serious activities because of you. Can you imagine God saying, for Zion's sake, I will neither sleep nor slumber. God refused sleep because he wants you to come to a place of perfection. God refused sleep because he wants you protected. God refused to have rest because he wants you to come to the place of glory. For that which he spoke in your life, to come to pass, to come to the place of fulfillment, God himself has refused to sleep. Why are you worried? Why all these fears? Why all these anxieties? May they disappear from your life. In the name of Jesus Christ. These worries and anxieties, if we don't control them, they lead us to the realm of hypertension. We literally can die on the face of the earth and we think a devil has succeeded. But it's just simply the spirit of fear and anxiety which God has not even allowed by no means because he's there to protect, he's there to watch over. All you need to do is to ask, Father, open my eyes to know. No matter the situation, no matter the problem, 
just like the servant of, of Elisha, God opened the eyes of these people to see once in a lifetime. If not in us, but once just to have an idea of what the spirit looks like, your fears will disappear. Your anxiety will disappear. Your doubt will disappear. In the name of Jesus Christ.